Good morning, everyone. My name is Aaron Benton, and I've been with the Elder Board for about seven years now. Yeah, seven years, which is long enough to experience financial times of both really making difficult decisions on how our church can best support others in our community and times when we can support more. And I got to tell you, it's much easier to be able to support more. At our board retreat last year, I looked at our two-year trend. There we are. I looked at our two-year trend that uh, compared our overall expenses against our income. And there were a couple of times when the expenses actually outpaced our income. And just like your own family budget, that's not a place that you want to be. But we've had some better trends this year, and that's thanks to you as a church. We're not immune to inflation, but that doesn't stop God's work in his kingdom. We're certainly not a mega church. We aren't supported by anyone else other than our generous church family, you folks sitting here and those watching at home. We have three to four very modestly paid pastors, <laughs> a tiny office staff of amazing people, and a couple outstanding leaders on a small, small stipend. Everything else goes to our community, our missions, and running this amazing building, which is old and needs repairs <laughs> constantly. This year we had some large, unexpected repairs. We had to replace two furnaces, the gutters, which wasn't exactly unexpected, but that can was kicked down the road far enough and was causing other issues. <clears throat> the youth room door downstairs, which the youth proudly say that it looks like a penitentiary door, but hey, <laughs> It's safer now. What's that? <laughs> Maybe it's not that far off. You know what I'm saying? So, and a myriad of other smaller projects that is mostly repaired by our previous pastor, Steve Fish, who founded this church and continues to pour his heart and sometimes his blood into it. So, thank you, Steve, for doing that. This beautiful church not only houses Vancouver Vineyard Church, we also have two other churches that meet here in a small school. Uh, you can see their awesome art projects downstairs if you go down there. And we as a church are blessed with this building, are excited to see it used more and more for God's kingdom. We'd love to see even more from this building, again, that comes from the help of our church here. We have big ideas for the portal next door. We see the proximity of that to our church and to Hudson's Bay as a conduit for young lives into the kingdom. And we want to build up that building with the proper kitchen to host youth, show them God's love, and it just makes sense to start with a shared meal. Jesus incorporated that so much into his ministry, and we really, really are on our way with that project, but it does need more. We received some feedback from... Uh, one of our members here recently, that we don't really do a financial report out as some other churches do. And that was a great call out. And we're looking at what that would look like for our church and how we can show what we're trending, highlighting where our needs are, and sharing where our vision for our community is leading. So if you like PowerPoints, Excel data, and charts, that's a meeting for you. So look for that in the future. Thank you for listening, and I'd like to pass things along to Joel, where he's going to be discussing some of the transitions coming up in September. Um, so I'm going to give a brief, just uh, maybe new information to some, update to some, 
Um, before Marshall went on a sabbatical, he sort of formed a couple of search committees for the youth leader position and the worship leader position. Um, and the two main charges for those committees was to um, sort of discern the qualities and personalities we're looking for to fill those positions and to plan how the roles and duties that the youth pastor and the worship pastor were sort of maintaining can keep going in the interim as we're looking. Um, and we were really deliberately like not trying to fill the positions by September when our current leaders are stepping down in order to not just get into this sort of like false sense of anxiety and pressure and like prematurely just sort of putting a stopgap in place. Um, so I'm just going to give you a brief update on the, where the worship committee is. Um, and that committee is comprised of Josh MacArthur, um, Ron Burnett, Dan Herman, um, Tori Pruitt, and me. Um, and so Josh is currently like finalizing the um, job posting and what the wording of that is going to be, what we're going to ask people to share with us, where their background is, what kind of music they're into, all that kind of stuff. Um, and um, so it, and that, that posting is based on the conversations we've had as a committee so far. Um, on, in September, um, Josh and Jason Liz are all going to be stepping back from their roles in leadership. And Josh's plan is to basically not be on stage at all between September and like January. Um, but he does tell us he'll be happy to help out on stage one to two times a month after that. And we're really planning to hold him to that. Um, during that interim right now, between Josh stepping down and finding a more permanent person um, to inhabit the role of worship leader, um, Tori is going to be taking on kind of the administrative, scheduling, and coordinating duties of worship and the worship team. Um, and she and I will both be attending the sort of like meetings that we need to be at. And then I'll be doing my best to provide any additional help um, in the role that she may need. Um, we are currently in need of musicians and volunteers. Um, we're always happy to, if you're, if you're a musician and you want to help with the worship team, um, to come and talk to us. If you're interested in sitting up in the balcony and working at the soundboard, running the cameras for the live stream, or um, running projection, everything that's on the screens, um, we can train you. <laughs> I, I don't know if we can train you to be a musician, but we can train you to do all of the things in the balcony. Um, so if you want to be in the balcony, get in touch with Dan or me, and I'll put you in touch with Dan. Um, and if you're a musician and you want to get involved, please reach out to Josh um, or Tori, and they can provide next steps. Um, also, just in this time, we're sort of in this un unprecedented amount of change um, with lots of moving pieces. Um, so we just want you to have grace for us and patience and um, participation. Um, so we welcome feedback. We welcome um, your involvement. We welcome um, asking how you can help. Um, and also, we may have more really bare bones, uh, like musical Sundays. Um, and we, we may be in a season of just a quieter, slower, gentler Sunday morning. Um, and that's great, and God can use that just as well as he uses a lot of production. Um, so there are lots of ways to get involved. I started out as a Luddite in the church, and now I'm the tech guy, and I run sound and projection. So, like, anybody can do it.
Um, so I'm going to hand it off to Wally, who's going to talk about the youth committee. I can tell I'm old because I look at my lettering and it's like two or three times bigger than both people, speakers before me. Uh, you know, at the Vineyard, we have a saying saying everybody gets to play. And as a leadership, uh, we see this church as a family as much as a church. Instead of a church model or a business model, it's more of a family model. And, and this is a morning of kind of just sharing family business. And as a family, we share joys, we share concerns, we share needs, and we share work. Just to give you a heads up. Uh, I am on a committee uh, with Liz Hicks and Nicole Pritchett, Jake Carlson, and Brendan Wixell. Um, and I was going to have them all stand, but half of them are missing. I think they're camping or something. So I'm not going to embarrass the one person that's here. Um, uh, current leaders are going to continue uh, the youth and meeting and supporting the youth. Wednesday nights are going to continue, um, but we're not we're not in a hurry. Um, but we'd like you guys to be praying um, about your own skills. Uh, you may enjoy working directly with kids. You may have other skills where you can help, like administrative skills, working with spreadsheets, coordinating snacks sending out emails, taking work away from the leaders so they can have more time with kids. Um, please join us in praying. Pray for the youth. Pray for the leaders. Pray about whether Holy Spirit is prompting you to personally become involved. Uh, maybe start a life group to hang out at the church on Wednesday nights in the cafe, praying for the hearts and minds of the, of the youth and seeking ways to support what's happening. You can donate snacks. You can donate money under the youth ministry under the Give tab. Um, I want to close with a message from Nicole, uh, one of the leaders and a member of the committee. Uh, she said, I would like to have the emphasis be on recruiting volunteers. I've heard that a lot of people are intimidated by youth. Here's my perspective on that. Before I volunteered, I had the illusion that high schoolers were just way too cool to hang out with me. But when I came, I realized that they, like me, are humans with interests, passions, and fears. If you come as yourself, you will find ki kids that you share commonalities with and connect. So whether you are in your 20s, a young parent, or a grandparent, you have the potential to connect with kids in a very special way. So pray about that. Uh, the second update I have is on uh, Afghan refugees. Um, you may remember that uh, the Thorsviks and we approached you a couple years ago about uh, raising money for um, support for some Afghan refugees. We partnered with uh, Lutheran Community Services and we, we sponsored actually a large uh, Afghan family of eight. They, they lived with the Thorsviks for a couple months and then we moved them into a house, and they lived in that house about a year and a half. And the Thorsviks especially cared for the family, helping them to get jobs, doctor's appointments, school enrollment, English lessons, tutoring, but mostly just being friends to the family and supporting them however they could. They are, were, amazing. Loving them as Jesus would, great examples. A month ago, the family moved to 
uh, an Afghan community in Iowa, the, uh, their, their uh, rent period ended and they had opportunity. It was really fun to see a video of them dancing in a parking lot with a lot of, a lot of other Afghans. Um, so where are we now? Um, there's a new government program and it's called Wel Welcome Corps. Um, currently they're in a phase one where the government is looking for people to sponsor people that the government knows about, refugees that the government knows about. They're waiting for enough people to do that and then phase two will start and we're excited about phase two. Phase two is where private sponsorship groups can sponsor refugees that we know about. And all we can do at this time until phase two starts is kind of raise money, wait and pray and begin some training exercises. Uh, through a friend who shared a few weeks ago, we were put in touch with a man in England who made us aware of a young Afghan family uh, with a baby uh, whom we would like to sponsor. And they are excited to be sponsored by us. Uh, we've begun training for the private sponsorship group while waiting for phase two to start. In phase two, we won't be able to work with Lutheran Community Services and take advantage of all the stuff that they do. Um, uh, but our group will need to do and pay for all of the things we did with them for the first family. So flights, housing, clothes, food. This can be a, ongoing for a significant time before the family can support themselves. So picture one minute you and your home with all that you have. And then picture all of a sudden you're on the other side of the world with none of that. Just your, it's you and your family and that's it. And that's, that's what the families experience. Um, and you have a limited understanding of the language. So at this time, we don't need any tangible items, but when the time comes, we will hit you up. And we uh, will, you know, it's basically all the stuff you'd need to take care of a home. Pots and pans and brooms and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so with faith, we ask you to join us and pray that phase two begins soon, that the, that the program will start. Um, pray that the family gets through the vetting process uh, smoothly and quickly. They've started that process and the government has to approve them as a bunch of hoops they have to jump through. Pray whether Holy Spirit has a role for you to join our team and help to raise money and other support, uh, providing rides, maybe initial housing, finding housing, filling it with needed stuff. If you are interested in, uh, in joining us, speak to me or Liz or Andrew Thorsvik. Uh, we would love to have you join us. And if you'd like to give money in the interim to help raise funds, we still have a drop down. When you go to the give, one of the choices is uh, Afghan refugee support on the give tab of our website. So thanks for listening. Hi everyone, I'm Noelle, if I haven't met you yet. I'm just here to wrap it all up. Um, if you have any questions at all for all of the information we just shared, you can email office at Vancouver Vineyard and you can put board in the subject line and one of us will respond to you guys. 
Um, especially if you have questions about the hiring committees, we know that's kind of a big, the big one, so um, feel free. Any questions or concerns? The other thing is I wanna make sure everyone marks your calendars. On Sunday, September 3rd, which is our first Sunday back in the building after the park, um, we're gonna be setting aside that Sunday to pray for Josh and Liz and Jace and pray over them during the service. And then after the service, we'll have free lunch for everybody. So stick around if you can, and we'll just celebrate and thank them for their years of ministry. So that's it, and I'm gonna welcome up Jace for preaching. Thanks, board. I just feel like a kid so well taken care of by all my parents when I hear from them. Thanks, guys. Um, okay. Uh, we are closing out the book of Philippians. So um, good morning, church. If I haven't met you, I'm Jace. I'm on the teaching team here. And I would um, like to say a huge thanks to everyone who contributed while Marshall's been away. If you have a Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 4. Um, today is uh, special for several reasons. Uh, we're closing out the book of Philippians, which is always um, just a cool thing to see something all the way through to the end. Um, it's our last Sunday in the building before we break for August, and we meet in the park, um, which we'll talk more about that in a second, and it's Family Worship Sunday, so welcome to all the kiddos in the room. Um, you are welcome here. I don't mind the noise. Your parents do more than I do, so when they start getting antsy, just be like, Jace doesn't care. Just kidding. <laughs> don't cause too big of a ruckus, and then I'll get in trouble with your mom and dad. Okay, so... Um, because all these things are happening at once, um, on we got the family update and everything, we're just going to keep things short and sweet. Um, and um, you're welcome to all the parents that are feeling like, come on. So I'm going to read today's passage. Here's the plan. I'm going to read today's passage, and then we're going to hone in on like the concise, concisely on the heartbeat of it. And then we're going to lay some groundwork for what you can expect over the next four weeks. And see you later. So um, I'm just going to read, starting in chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoiced greatly, Paul says, in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you just had no opportunity to show it. So I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. The end of the book. Um, so here we have it. Uh, we arrive at the close of the letter. And probably here, actually, I think probably here more than anywhere else in the book of Philippians, it really feels like a letter. 
Um, Paul thanks them, he encourages them, he asks them to like say hi to a few people, and then he licks the envelope, sends it away. So at an intuitive level, I think we get it. We understand the general meaning, the meaning here, that Paul loves them and he appreciates them, and he's grateful for them at a really deep level. Um, but he also wants them to understand that this relationship is lovely and good, and it's not obligatory or something like that. Well, why? Because Paul has found a way to be content in and out of seasons of, ab of abundance or, or not. And so it's clear that he wants the same for them. So we're just going to move through, gather up the gold, thank God for it, um, and uh, seal it here. So the, Paul acknowledges that it was for lack of opportunity that has kept the Philippians um, from seeing Paul in one way or another, and not because of some form of neglect. It was just opportunity. And then from here, he moves into this bit about contentment, and he couples it with a clarification that their relationship with one another is not utilitarian. It's not how the church works. As if he needs something for, from them, and, and they just they need to do it. Um, and that's why this relationship must be sustained. And so you have this connection here, hopefully you can see this, between these two things. Paul's spirit of contentment, and then his relationship with them being based in love and partnership, not just getting what you need from someone. There's this thing that links these two ideas, and it's this connection of what um, we'll call uh, Christ sufficiency. So self-sufficiency is um, being, you can, being able to be content because of what you can manage for yourself. It's a stoic idea, ancient idea. Um, and uh, Gordon Fee notes just how much Paul sounds like the Seneca, who's an ancient th thinker at the time. Greco-Roman philosophy would have, been would have praised this notion of contentment like rooted in oneself. You can find a way to just be content. And it sounds maybe like your modern world a little bit. Paul talks like that. Um, he echoes that language, but he diverges in a very pivotal way by establishing his contentment not within, but without. It's Christ's sufficiency. He says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And this famous little line, which is often used by like the Christian quarterback in the fourth quarter who passes the Hail Mary for the homecoming win. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. No judgment. It's just one of those odd things that American Christians do. That line in context <laughs> is not actually about like monumental exhibitions of strength or victory. Rather, it's about the strength to find contentment or peace through Christ, even when the victory doesn't come. <clears throat> so, um, or, or I guess taking a hold of the peace, even when things are completely stripped down and it feels like there's not much before you. Because remember, Paul is in prison. So you can see in Paul's language a profound trust that in every season, abundance and freedom or starvation and imprisonment, somehow Christ gives him this ability to endure and not just endure, to find a peace there, to be patient and to be strong. How? Why? Well, because church, as Paul has been pointing out this whole time, this is Jesus's work, his good news, his beautiful world. So think back on the whole letter and let's put all these pieces together, all of Philippians. Here we go. To whom does Paul credit for this loving bond he has with the Philippians? Paul wants them to be unified, but why? Paul wants them standing firm and steadfast, but after whom does he model that type of behavior? To whom does Paul look when he reminds them of what true lordship looks like, giving up glory for the sake of serving in order to receive like the ultimate crown and reward? All these things come together in Jesus. 
the head over the body. And so here, it's very simple in Paul's mind. Here at the conclusion of the letter, Paul gives us a very, something very practical. Look, guys, this is all Jesus's work. So we have within ourselves, or rather outside ourselves, but within by the power of the Holy Spirit, there exists a strength that we have access to. So we have access to the strength so that we can be content. We can take a deep breath. Um, and we can be gentle in our approach. We don't need to be anxious about it. To embody the spirit of trust. To become these unbothered, unhurried, unworried servants. Just helping each other, loving each other. So again, just due to time, um, I just want to say a few weeks about the, a few words about the weeks ahead, excuse me. And while it may seem like a stretch to jump from Paul's letter of the Philippians to August, um, I really am convinced that this is the heart of the month of August, what we're seeing on the slide right now, and that it's God's timing that we land here at our last Sunday in the building. So starting next Sunday, we are going to gather in the park just down the road, Cornbread Park. That's, um, of what our gathering will look like for one month, being outside. But why? Why on earth? Why are we doing this? If you've been coming to our church for a while, you've probably heard us talk about the practice of Sabbath. Um, and if you haven't been coming to our church, maybe that's new to you. Because uh, the truth is, many of us bring and import all sorts of baggage or theological ideas or whatever about what Sabbath looks like. And we've discovered over the years, that we, as we've sought to talk about Sabbath more and more, that without fail, the idea of Sabbath, for some reason, it sparks just a diverse conversation in the room with really strong opinions. And that's okay. In fact, when that happens, it's usually a good sign that we're tapping into something important. Important things inspire strong opinions. Also, unimportant things inspire strong opinions. Just go to Facebook. But mostly, <laughs> mostly, when convictions are, when we tap into them, um, we, it's okay. We just, we step back and we say, as a leadership team, we say, okay, God, what are we doing? Why, why is this like, why are we getting so heated about this? So whatever you think about practicing Sabbath, it's all welcome. Here are just a few things I want you to think on. I'm speaking on behalf of the leadership team, and it's okay if you disagree. I just want you to know where we're coming from. We adopted the practice of Sabbath in the park because we believe, number one, we are rhythmic creatures by God's design by God's design. God rested on the seventh day of creation. He commanded his people to rest every seven days because of that. Sabbath is the act of stopping, ceasing, and as modeled first by the creator in the book of Genesis, it's also settling into the enjoyment of that work that God just did. God works and then he rests and he settles into it. This was so important to God, this idea of stopping that six-day rhythm in order to do something different on the seventh day, that it became one of the Ten Commandments, the sort of pinnacle words spoken by Yahweh over the people to cast like big picture, cultural wisdom, and like moral code of conduct, these huge overarching words, rest every seven days. Why? Because that's the kind of God you serve. And your God is not like the gods of the nations. He rests and delights. That's who Yahweh is. So this is not a sermon about Sabbath. You can go back in our sermon archives and you can find those. But I just want to remind you that we believe in being a people of seasons and rhythms, especially rhythm of work and rest, because we believe God has something for us in that. It's mysterious. It's not always straightforward. In fact, it's almost never straightforward because you can see the result of your labor immediately. You can't see the result of your rest immediately, always. And so we just... Um, we trust that when we stop doing one thing, the normal thing, the regular thing, for just a minute, in order to orient our hearts and minds in a different way, same direction, but a different expression, that God's Spirit moves mysteriously in that. 
So embedded into the seven-day rhythm, arch- seven rhythm was archetypal wisdom for the way Israel was to live annually. Sabbath spirit. In addition to resting on the seventh day, Israel, if you've read your Old Testament, was to operate in this annual cycle of feasting and fasting and celebrating and then not. And these had so much to do with the um, like agrarian land-based culture you know, that they inhabited. They were... Um, they, they worked with the weather and everything in a way that we just don't as like people that work on our computers half the time. But the point was clear enough. Embody these annual rhythms because, God's, because they, they tell God's story and they remind you of very important theology as you do them. By doing these things, you get it into your bloodstream. Our God is not a God who gives sermons only, says the preacher. He gives meals and he gives holy days. And he gives liturgies and music and rhythms. So receiving wisdom from other churches who started, who were kind of doing this in our area, we decided to do this as a community together. And for some of you, this is, you've never done it. So this is new and it's weird. Um, but we decided to do this thing in a big annual way. What if we still gathered as a family, but we did so in a new expression which actively embodied this value, this value that says we trust God, that he's sovereign and in control, even when we don't do what we usually do, by golly, even when we let go of the routine, he's still at work. Sabbath is at the park is this way to practice that theology, a theology that says, wow, we are content in Christ, even here when we're just sitting outside and we don't know what to do with our hands. Number two, we believe resting, playing, and delighting are all part of worship. This is what we see all over the Bible. We often think about worship as that thing you do when the team is up on stage playing music and your favorite song comes on or you're in the radio and you like have your playlist set up on Spotify, your worship playlist, your soaking music, whatever. But the Bible has such a, the picture of worship in the Bible is so much more robust, you guys. Worship is like full body, every day, all the time, what you do with your life, what you do with your money, how you treat your neighbors, how you raise your kids, all of it. That's worship. The picture that we get in the Bible is when where God is calling his people to examine like their whole life, to offer every aspect of up as part of worship. When we live our work life, when we live like the work life mode, and then we enter into like church mode on Sunday, we fundamentally misunderstand that our God is a God who wants to partner with us 24-7, which means when you change diapers and when you answer phone calls and when you go to school, he wants you to enter into a life of worship and all of that. And frankly, I know I do, so I'm assuming you're part of this. I think we lack the imagination to even know what that looks like to change a diaper in the spirit of worship. I seriously don't know. You know what I mean? What does that look like? Well, I think we lack the imagination. The Bible does not, though. It's everything. It's the whole thing. So Sabbath at the park is this time where we're saying, okay, here we are, Lord. We're not preaching. We're not teaching. We're not doing service projects. We're not gathering with agendas. We have no checklists or curated set lists of our favorite worship songs. We're not even reading the Bible out loud. We're not travailing in prayer. We're not giving money. Are we still Christian? Does Jesus still exist? We're just here together as a family. And honestly, that's all we've got. We're trying to get to know each other, to visit, to play with each other's kids. It's awkward if there's not like a lesson we're supposed to be teaching them or something. Or like we want to see what organically grows in us when we just show up and stand next to each other. And we believe that just being here, 
offering ourselves to one another and to you in the stripped down quiet way. This is what we say to God. We believe that us just doing that, Lord, that is part of the way we worship you, that you will show up even as we just bring our most simple selves. Only the pagan gods require humans to do stuff all the time. The God of the Bible wants you to, to delight in what he's done. And Americans have the hardest time with this. So, last word, just logistics, what you can expect, and then we'll close it out. What this is and what it isn't. You guys, Sabbath at the Park, it is intentionally resting and delighting as a church family. It is not a vacation from church, as, as if we view church as this drudge work or something. Not at all. Goodness, we have, we love, we love this church and, the, and this routine. We've just, we found that Sabbath at the Park has the potential to be subtly misinterpreted as like vacation from church because church is nothing but work. Um, and we really want to address that because that's not what we mean when we do this. To be clear, humans are the weird ones, not God, <laughs> I, I think. At least I, I'm very weird. So the way humans can get when they do church as best they can, but they're just trying their hardest, is they get weird. They do it over and over and over again, and then things get weird, and church itself becomes this thing that becomes like really stressful. And, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's a rhythm. It's a routine. It becomes a thing. And so August in the park is this time where we just like rest and delight, still together, but we just say, let's just take a breath. Let's pause. Let's just see what happens if we pause, you know? And then we go back and we do church again normally after we've taken a breath. Number two, this is an affirmation that church is a good and beautiful thing. It is not a rejection of the normal Sunday morning church rhythm. This is just another way to say the first thing I said. <laughs> communication, communication. Here we go. This is a chance to break out of the rhythm in order to play, rest, and worship in a new expression. It's not a way of saying that what we normally do is bad. Number three, you guys, this is one month out of the year. While the weather is nice to corporately enjoy the beautiful the beauty of God's creation. It's not something we're going to do every Sunday for the rest of forever. So some of you are, I know some of you are uncomfortable with August in the park. Bless you. I see you. It won't last forever. It's just four weeks. So let's talk about what you can expect starting next week. And then we'll move into, um, I'll close it. And we'll just move into really casual ministry time for those of you who would like some prayer. What's the time frame? Glad you asked. 10 to 11, just like normal, every Sunday in August. Every Sunday in August. Can you believe it? Starting next week. By golly, it's crazy. The 11 a.m. time is just a guide. Everyone can feel free to linger. Bring a picnic lunch if you want. There is no checklist. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You can do whatever you want. But at 11, you, you can also leave. You can leave, before, you can leave before that if you want. But we really want you to come and hang out with us because we love you. We love being with you. Where is this happening? How do I get there? Can I park at the church and walk over Cornbrew Park? It's just down the road, one block east of the church. And yes, you can park at the church. You can walk over. What should I bring? Blankets or chairs? In the past, we have had teams that like come and set up all of the church chairs in the park. And it's a lot of work for those people. So what we're going to do is we're going to have those churches ready to go, set up in the portal, some, churches, some chairs if you need. Excuse me, I said churches. We're going to have some chairs set up. You're welcome to go grab one if you need, or just throw a couple lawn chairs in the back of your car, or a blanket. You know, people used to sit on blankets for thousands of years before they had 
Tommy Bahama chairs, and they did just fine. So bring a blanket. I'm gonna bring a few more in my car, maybe throw a couple extra. You can help your neighbor out if they forget theirs. Just come and just come, bring it and set up. And also, you can sit on the grass. It's beautiful. It's green, sit under a tree. You can bring your own coffee and tea if you'd like, if you're the kind of person that drinks eight cups of church coffee in the morning. Maybe consider bringing a thermos because we're gonna have a stripped down coffee set up, but we'll still have something there, of course. You can come, enjoy a cup of coffee. Bring snacks for your kiddos. There will also be a bake sale. Um, the ladies in our church are doing a bake sale and the money goes to the women's ministry. Did I get that right, Nancy? Yeah. Delicious. You can just, it's so easy. I paid, I paid through my phone. They're that high tech. I don't know how to do that. They know how to do that. But you can pay through your phone, get your own um, uh, sweet treat on Sunday. Bring a water bottle, sunscreen, hat, um, any sports equipment that you'd like to play. Frisbee, get your frizz on. Sure. Find a, find, a, find a buddy. Go get your frizz on. Anything you want for fun, restful morning at the park with your church community. Um, will the main building be open for bathrooms? We will have the portal open, so don't worry about that. You will be able to go to the bathroom. There will also be extra folding chairs, like I said, in that same spot, so feel free to grab it. Can you bring a friend? Yeah. Yep, you can bring a friend. What a great time to bring a friend. In fact, in fact, historically, I have met more new people at our church in the park in August than I meet throughout the rest of the year. Like last summer alone, I think I met like four new couples. It was, un it was crazy. Bring friends. It's a great time to just like, there's no, you don't have to feel weird about bringing your friends. It's just chill. It's casual. August is a great time to do that. Can I bring my dog? Sure. Yes. As long as you keep it on a leash and you pick up after it. Know your dog. Know its temperament. Read the room. But yeah, you can. Bring a leash. What exactly will we be doing at the park? I know, some of you really want me to answer that for you with a checklist. Here's the thing, for some of you, I just, I know there's real anxiety, that there's no strong agenda, and you feel like we should be doing something. And I just want you to feel more comfortable knowing that um, we all feel it, we're all there, we're all feeling that thing. Um, we recognize that we don't want to do anything that inspires that anxiety. Um, however, we've just come to believe that practicing, practicing Sabbath often comes with anxiety becomes it, because it comes right up against that thing that says, hey, shouldn't we be doing X, Y, and Z? We should, as, as Christians. And there's a time and a place to do things. And I think at the end of the day, that anxiety is not a bad thing, and the impulse to do something also isn't bad. But something good is happening, because as American churchgoers, we're so used to having things offered up to us. We like to know where to go, what to do. We like to know what to expect, what our job is, what we do with our hands during worship. What's the norm? And we really want to know that even if we aren't doing something, someone else is. And since we belong to that thing, we're participating in that in some way. But again, the park is a time where we just take a deep breath and say, all right, Holy Spirit, no agenda, none. There's literally no agenda, but I'm still here with my church family, so now what? So when you arrive, expect to arrive to a bunch of people hanging out. Some will be with the kids on the playground. Some will be tossing a Frisbee. Some will be praying. Some will be drinking coffee together. Some will be walking around the perimeter just enjoying the walking company. There's like a great little walking path. Feel free. And it might freak you out. If you're that person, I want to acknowledge those very real feelings. But here's the thing. For one month out of the year, it's a beautiful thing. And I want us to embrace it. If you can. 
In the past, we've organized really clearly defined. Here's the difference. In the past, we've organized really clearly defined prayer groups, and we've set a timer. <laughs> we're so alert. 15 minutes, we're praying for these things, and that's great. It's beautiful. Those things are wonderful. But this year, we're saying, hey, what if we just, what if we even let go of that just for a second and see what happens? And that also can be a source of like, ooh, are we sure? So here's what we want to say. Prayer, you guys, here's where, here's where I want to end. Because we are followers of Jesus, and we love, to, we love to pray and worship. We will be praying in the month of August. Get ready that we're going to be praying in the month of August. But there's going to be no one that comes up and tells you, here's exactly how you will pray. Here's what we're expecting. Here's what we want to see happen. If you would like to pray, and there, you need prayer, there will be people wearing prayer lanyards who will signal to you, I'm ready to pray at any point. They love it. We love it. Go. Pray. But here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. You guys, something, this is something August really clarifies. We're all the church. Did you know that we're all supposed to be doing that? Not just the prayer team. The prayer team is great. They're here for you every Sunday after ministry time, during ministry time. They're here for you. But we're all supposed to be living like that. So here in this building, during the normal rhythm, we've constructed that flow for our congregation. We go at this time, we pray at this time, and there's, it's beautiful. There's real wisdom. But in August, it's a great time for God's people to meet organically, and it's a great time for all of us to practice these things together. Play. Play in the park by praying together. So you're in conversation with someone. Something organic pops up. You're getting to know them. You're getting to know other kids. And you feel that moment where it's like, I could, we could pray for this. Go for it. You should. You should be the prayer person for that person you just engaged with. You don't need to even go find a prayer person. If you'd like to, you can. But you don't need to wait for ministry time. You don't need to wait for worship to be over. You don't need to wait for someone to preach. You can just pray together. And that's the sort of stuff that happens in August that's stunning when it happens. And so we like to give space to it. Okay. I've literally never talked this fast in my entire life. I feel like I'm going to pass out. My gosh. Oh, gee whiz. I don't even know what time it is, but I think we're okay on time, probably because I just gave a 45-minute uh, sermon in 15 minutes. So here's what I want to say, you guys. Delight in his resting presence right there in the park for one month, and you, um, I, that's all I, we can say. Pause and abide and delight. Fundamentally, August um, is this time where we say we are reliant upon Jesus, and we're putting that into practice in real ways. Like Paul, we say, here's the thing. This is Jesus's thing. This is his church. This is his building. This is his creation. We are his people. We don't need to do these things to please him. We get to do these things because he invited us to partner with him in all of it. And it's so beautiful and it's so good. So we practice Christ's sufficiency in a way as we find contentment with simplicity and no agenda, trusting and believing that all of our lives, even when we're not busy with activity, working and doing, it's all a part of worship. So um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close us. We're going to end today. And all the parents in the room said amen. And I'm going to invite you to linger and play and hang out and just start the Sabbath spirit right now. And we'll roll it right into next week. But I also would like to invite the prayer team and the ministry team up here. Since we are still in the building, we might as well do it. Um, I, if you guys want to all stand, I'm going to pray and I'm going to close for us. I'm going to bless us. We're going to bless the building as it rests from us for a week, just like the land. 
maybe something mysterious and beautiful will pop up in the building like all the tech problems will be solved. <laughs> oh man, awesome tech team. Good. You guys are doing awesome. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless us and we are going to um, close off this formal summer season and I'll see you at the park next week. And if you would like prayer, you're formally dismissed, but if you like prayer, please linger. Please come up, get prayer. So, God, thank you so much for this church. Um, I am especially grateful today for uh, all of the things happening behind the scenes that are being led by really wise and humble leaders that have not sought attention for it. They have not um, made a spectacle of it, but they've just put their hands to your good work. God, I thank you for the Sunday rhythm. I thank you for this building and the way that we meet in it 11 months out of the year. And it's been a beautiful 11 months. God, right now, I just praise you for all of the work that you've done in this building over the last 11 months. And I actually ask that you'd fill everyone's minds right now with memories. Start to flood our minds with memories of all that you do in this space as we've gathered together. Come Holy Spirit. Fill us up with gratitude, God. Fill us up with gratitude because you've been doing amazing things. I thank you for the space that hosts those things. Wow. Thank you, God. I pray a blessing over that work. And I ask that it wouldn't just continue when we meet outside with no agenda, but that you would do even deeper work that you would connect people, that when, the, when there's no pew to separate us, or I always to separate us, we would just connect, that you would build bonds of brotherhood and sisterhood, that you would create in us a family, a family of God, unified under one head, Jesus, and that sitting together on a picnic blanket would be deep and profound worship to you, and that you would be pleased by it, God and that it would pour out into our communities and our families and our neighborhoods, this genuine thing called the family of God. And I thank you for all these kids in the room. We bless your name. We love you, Jesus. Amen.